Um, we don't have any one-star reviews, so please let's not start now. Uh, but Yelp has made a lot of money in the last 14 years on people's expertise. There have been um, 148 million reviews. And if you're not familiar with Yelp, what you do is you go on, um, let's say you went out for lunch today at the Mission Tavern and you had a fantastic experience because you will, and you ate the buffalo chicken sandwich and it was delicious. So you'd get on there and you'd say, Mission Tavern, five stars, wonderful service, awesome people, great atmosphere, timely, great price, great value, all these things, five stars. Of the 148 million reviews, five stars make up 47% of them. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, let's say you had a terrible experience, which you wouldn't at Mission Tavern, but um, you wouldn't. So let's say you had a terrible experience someplace else. You go, uh, let's say, to a different establishment. Terrible experience, one star. If you think that, just don't put a review on. But people want to... Uh, People think that they are um, Bobby Flay and they need to share their expertise with the world and just degrade restaurants and hotels and all these things. One stars make up 16% of the 148 million reviews. And so kind of the tongue-in-cheek aspect of it, uh, check out this one-star review uh, that Jimmy Fallon talks about. We walked inside this place twice. Once when it was a sushi bar, then again after it pathetically pivoted to meet the poke fad. And it stunk on both visits. The door was too spring-loaded on our return. <laughs> that's, that's first off. And the, and the food was mediocre at best for the standard $11 plus tax. One star. We were taken aback by your use of the word pathetically in your comments about us pivoting our business model. When you mention the word pathetically, we can't help but visualize you sitting in front of your computer or phone crafting over 7,500 Yelp reviews. We did some quick math and based on an average review time of eight minutes, could be conservative, you have spent around 1,000 hours writing reviews. That's nearly six months of a full-time, 40-hour-per-week job writing reviews that you are not being compensated for or improving to any sort of skill set. Our suggestion to you is to get away from this dark, dark rabbit hole you have jumped down. Just think about the fact that you have spent nearly six months adding zero value to your career. Start putting the same effort and focus on a craft or skill set that'll get you away from your social network and start working towards career goals that will bring you happiness and fulfillment. And be sure to stop by next week to try our all-new wasabi shrimp poke bowl. <laughs>now I turned it back on. So good. I uh, just four stars. Okay. Service was great. Music was wonderful. Coffee was delicious. Pastor forgot to turn his mic back on. Four stars. Um, wow. Okay. Well, on that note, maybe we should just read the text. Um, let's read the text anyways. We are in uh, verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. Now that was 
honestly, if you're going to write a one-star review, like, just save your time. Like, you don't need to write a one-star review. Again, you're not Bobby Flay, um, so just save it for yourself. Um, Verse 14 of chapter 10 of Romans. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So if you remember, which you should because we spent two weeks on the passage, um, verses 5 through 13 comes to this conclusion in verse 13 where it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Paul jumps into these rhetorical questions and he says, how are they going to call on him if they don't have his number? Much like uh, Tommy Two-Tone. How is he going to call Jenny if he doesn't have her number? Right? Some of you are like, I have no idea who that is. You definitely do know who it is. You can Google it later. But how are they going to believe if they don't hear this good news that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? And the commentators want to get into some uh, grammatical breakdown is who, who are the they and who is he talking about? Well, certainly he's talking about the Jews because he has been talking about the Jews. But if we remember in verse 12, he says there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. So he's talking about the world. In essence, how is the world to hear or how is the world to believe if they don't hear? Specifically, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how Are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How do you find things out? You ever stumble upon a place? Nikki and I, when we lived in Elephant Butte, New Mexico, we were down in Las Cruces quite a bit. And one day we saw this uh, name for a restaurant, Tiffany's, and we're like, yeah, let's go try it out. Happened to be by the movie theater in the Cold Stone, which we went to a lot. And we went in and we're like, okay. It was kind of one as you open the door and you walk in and you're like, should we leave? You know the black chairs that are free that you should all take that are out in the garage? Um, it was a lot of that, like mismatched chairs and stuff. And, and the family's hanging out and you're thinking, uh, are we making a mistake? And then you get the roast beef sandwich that literally changes your life. Have you had one of those moments? Or the time I had the donut um, when I was in Big Sky with my brother and Nikki, sister-in-law. And I bit into this donut. Now, donuts are not dessert, okay? So let's just clear that up. But she, my sister-in-law is like, we got to get the donuts. And I bit into this donut, and I just had this, oh, my goodness. Like, literally, sound came out of me unprompted. How do you find these places unless somebody tells you about them? How do you remember things? So Bob Duro, he died uh, this past week. You know Bob Duro? If you don't know Bob Duro, um, you do know Bob Duro. He was a mediocre, or as the New York Times said, moderately successful jazz pianist and singer. And he was approached uh, by David McCall, who worked for ABC. And David had a problem. See, his son couldn't remember his multiplication tables. And he knew that his son could remember lyrics. It's like yesterday when we were out cheering uh, for the marathon, and it so happened to be 
90s morning on the station that we were listening to, and songs would come on and you would just start, I could just start singing them. I haven't heard them in, in years. And so David McCall said to Bob Duro, help my son learn his multiplication tables. And so he set out to make this record and this workbook, and then it became Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> Oh, yes, that's Bob Duro. Now, the people that don't know what Schoolhouse Rock is, <clears throat> I'm sorry for you. I am very sorry for you. You're not aware of the conjunction junction and the function of that conjunction. You don't know that three is a magic number. You also are unaware that zero is my hero. But the thing about Bob Duro is, this writer says, what you'll notice is each one of them is musically brilliant, meaning Bob Duro's um, Schoolhouse Rock songs. It's musically brilliant. It's lyrically brilliant. And the key, he said, was Duro's respect for the audience. He never wrote down to the kids. He always brought them up. That is the beauty of Schoolhouse Rock songs. So how do you remember things? It's like the Sweetwater Resort uh, commercial that comes on uh, 102.7 every morning at approximately 7.30. You know the place. It's a little resort on Fish Trap Lake just north of Little Falls. Come for the loons, unwind, build family memories. Right, Maddie? Sweetwaterresort.com. Every morning, it's on. And we know if Sweetwater Resort comes on before we hit County Road 18, we are in trouble because we're going to miss the bus. Or 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. How do we remember things? How is it that we can remember movie lines and song lyrics? Or those things on that list, how is it that I forget the thing that's on the list that I didn't put on the list, but I actually put it on the list, just the proverbial list. I didn't create the actual list because if I would have created the actual list, I wouldn't not forget it. How do we remember things? Well, we hear them. We hear them again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And how are they to believe in whom, in him of whom they have never heard? It's kind of hard to believe something unless you hear it. And Paul goes on to say, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? What do you think of when you hear the word preaching? The funny thing is that I didn't take any preaching classes in, in seminary. I know, three star. Because I didn't ever really plan to do this thing, but what do you think of when you hear the word preaching? Or you hear the word outreach? Now, every Sunday that you're here at Timberwood Church, you're handed one of these programs, and on the front, in the bottom right-hand corner, it says Discipleship, Outreach, Spiritual Formation, and Leadership. And outreach is something, one of the core values of Timberwood Church. It's this concept of people that are constantly committed to reaching out to those around them. If you flip open to the inside of your program, at Timberwood Church, we are 
committed to three things, outreach, spiritual formation, and leadership. Today, we are focusing on outreach. Outreach as affecting people locally as well as globally. What do you think of when you think of the word outreach? Paul says, how are they to hear without someone preaching? It's kind of like when you have that bad experience. How is someone supposed to know unless you tell them? Funny thing is, I was listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR the other uh, weekend. I think it was last weekend. And they always have these uh, three stories, and you have to determine if they're, which one of the three stories is real or fake. And then you get the voice of one of the actors that's on the stage on your um, voicemail. And so Tom Bodette from Motel 6, uh, yes, he's still leaving the light on for you, um, he read this story. And the headline was, Hell's Angels Take to Computers to Target Local Business. <laughs> and that was the right one. So check this out. Uh, March 27th uh, of this past year, Supporters took to social media to express their displeasure with the Marion Hotel. Within 24 hours, hundreds of people, most of them outside Canada, posted one-star reviews on the restaurant's Facebook page, reducing its four-and-a-half-star reputation to three stars overnight. The power of a review. It's not necessarily new this sociologist said that somebody is boycotting a business by giving them low-star reviews, but a group that is recognized by police for its various criminal exploits, and I didn't even think about this like literally until just now, um, I think we're safe. Um, alleged and otherwise, but a group that is recognized by police for its various criminal exploits, alleged and otherwise, Doing so, I think it is sort of interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, not what you'd expect from a group such as um, the Hell's Angels. What do you think of when you think of the word preach? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Because our lives are one constant sermon. A few weeks ago, it was actually last Wednesday, um, I got done working out, and then somebody from the class came up to me and said, oh, you're a pastor at Timberwood Church, aren't you? And that always produces a certain level of anxiety in me. Like, what did I say? What did I do? Was I rude? But see, we, we live lives that are a constant sermon, a constant preaching, a constant message. And I think it's great that this last week in our uh, Thursday night elective on world religions and cults, I was covering Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, and I mentioned to the class that, that we were going to start a quota program. See, that's supposed to be funny again. Jeez, <laughs> ah, I don't know what is going on. See, the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness, they have quotas that they have to meet, door knockings that they have to do, and conversions that they have to get. And I thought, well, maybe we should start that. Kind of a quota outreach program. And I was joking, of course. We live lives that are constant sermons preaching to those around us. 
And I thought, what if we committed to the smallest of steps in this game of outreach, in this realm of outreach? What if after the service, you introduced yourself to one person? What if you finally decided to invite that friend to church to join you? What about inviting someone out for lunch or coffee? Maybe next, next Saturday we're having our annual prayer event and you invite a friend to come and to spend some time on the prayer path out back with you. For some of us, our smallest next step is a monumental step for other people. Maybe it's you need to share your faith story with a friend. Maybe you need to share your faith story with the community of Timberwood Church. Maybe it's praying out loud at your family table, or maybe it's praying out loud before you eat that lunch that you just invited your friend out to. But for most of us, when we think about outreach and we think about this word of outreach, we think, well, we have the Tommy Boy experience. You know, when he and Richard are in the the diner and Helen says that uh, the, the fryer's closed and Tommy takes the bun and he's like Jojo, the circus boy, and he talks about his sale and then he wrecks it, right? And he says, that's why I suck at sales. And then Helen says, let me turn the fryer on for you. And Richard goes, oh my goodness, Tommy, what happened? Did that board break something loose in your brain? How is it that you were able to sell Helen and convince her to turn the fryer on? He said, I was just being myself. And that's what this preaching thing is. It's just being yourself. Because we live lives that are a message to the world around us on who we are committed to. And Paul says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Okay, you're all sent. Check. You're sent. Yep. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, then you are sent. You are called to go out into the world and to proclaim his good news. And he says, quoting Isaiah, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, how does it feel when you get to walk in on a Sunday morning and there's cookies or like this morning, the mini donuts were pretty delicious? Hot coffee, bathrooms are clean, chairs are in place. It feels great. Volunteering is a big part of this preaching. Bringing someone a meal, helping someone with a project, scrubbing the toilet. That is a form of preaching. It's a form of outreach. Because you're creating, helping create an environment where people come And they say, yeah, I think I could engage in this. And so we have this Volunteer Sunday. We have this idea of worship one hour a month. Or, (laughs) let me say that differently. (laughs) Two stars. Um, (laughs) Serve one, one hour a month. 
Worship every Sunday, but serve one hour a month. And so today, if you know, we just sang a song about literally going deeper in our faith and God calling us out into these waters where our feet can't stand and where faith increases. And that's what this preaching thing is about. That's what this living for Christ is about. And so you've got all these opportunities to preach right here on the back of your sermon notes, which I'm sure you're feverishly writing on. And maybe you put on the card where you want to volunteer. Maybe you don't know where you want to volunteer. You just put volunteer. Because for some of us, we're called to walk around the streets of downtown Brainerd and talk to people about Jesus, leaving our bullhorns at home. For others of us, like Keith and Linda Axvig and Ricky, Rick and Kathy Adams, they're called to go out into the world and to serve these people in Mexico and Haiti And you think, oh, it'd probably be easier for me to go to Haiti or Detroit or to Poland and to do ministry there than it would be to walk over to my neighbor's house and say, hey, I've known you for a long time. Why don't you join me at church this next Sunday? But the bottom line, as Paul says, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, if you know me, my feet are not real pretty. But we are all called, we are all sent to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether we like it or not, our lives are a constant preaching to those around us. And I challenge us, I encourage all of us this week, what is the one thing? What is the one step? It might be a Bob Wiley baby step. It might be a monumental moon-type step. But may we embrace these opportunities that are laid out before us, empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the good news that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, this good news that all of us have heard and have a chance to take a hold of, and share it with the world. Please pray with me. Father God, we come this morning grateful for the opportunity to have heard, to have heard about your Son, Jesus Christ, and the desire that he has that every one of us would be saved, that every one of us who call on his name would experience the freedom, the forgiveness of our sins, and the joy that is a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, move in us today. Move in us in such a way that whether we are hearing for the first time or being nudged over a cliff, that we would be empowered and moved to reach out one step to embrace the reality that each one of us is a living sermon and seek to spread the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, to all those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.